Time keeps on leaving and we keep on moving. When do we pass on our wisdom to the youth? My veteran story lost our discussions. Fireside chats with the bourbon or two. It's time to hear the story by military veterans. Get yourself ready. It's the Lost Arts Podcast. The Lost Arts with Andrew Cox. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome to the podcast that gives a voice to our veterans, The Lost Art with Andrew Cox. I'm your host, Andrew Cox, and on today's podcast, we'll hear a My Veteran story from a Vietnam veteran, Earl Dodson. Before we get to introducing him into the podcast here, let's hear a little, little something from a veteran that's performing here in the Hampton Roads area in Virginia. Are you in the Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area and looking for a fun, family-friendly musical act? Then you are in luck. Poncho Music is an experienced musician and entertainer performing country music favorites of yesterday and today. Poncho, a United States Marine Corps veteran, performs in the Hampton Roads area right here in Virginia. Come on out to listen to great music and have family fun. You can find a listing of upcoming events on Facebook. Type in Poncho Music. That's P-A-N-C-H-O-M-U-S-I-C. Like and follow. Support your local veterans. Poncho Music, performing in the Hampton Roads area. All right, so we're back from that. Let's go ahead and introduce our special guest. This is Army Vietnam veteran, E4 Specialist Earl Dotson. Earl, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I'm excited to have you on here, Earl. It's, it'll be a good good experience, and it'll be good hearing your story. All right, so let's start at the beginning. So uh, what was it that brought you to the military and kind of walk us through that process? Well, it's kind of a funny story. Okay, I like I funny working, stories. I was working a job not too close from my home. And uh, I had my dad and two brothers were in the Navy. And David, my dad brought a Navy recruiter out to the job. And we talked a little bit and said I could sign up. And I wouldn't have to leave for 180 days. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that sounded pretty good. So I got to thinking, I'll wait till I get my draft notice. Then I'll sign up for the Navy. And I won't, I'll be able to stay home 180 days. Yeah. So I finally get the letter. So I called the recruiter. Well, that ended the day before I got the letter. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I, so I thought, well, I could crawl farther than I can swim. Yeah. So I go ahead and let them draft me in. Right, that takes me to Oklahoma City. And then from there, we went to, uh, we flew to Dallas and left Dallas and went to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Okay. And uh, while we was there, we went across the bridge about oh maybe eight foot wide, and over to a little island in the swamp. And there was an overhead sign over that bridge and said, "You are about to become one of the best dressed soldiers in the world." Nice. I thought, okay. So you get over there, and the army's only got two sizes, uh-huh. too big and too small. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back across that bridge. There's a sign on the other side of this sign. You are now one of the best dressed soldiers in the world. Right. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> so we do a lot of standing. And the Army don't know what air conditioning is back in 1966. Right. Never heard of it. That makes sense. And so they've re-blacktopped every street, everywhere, everything. Okay. Well, in South Louisiana, it rains twice a day. Right. Mid-morning and mid-afternoon. And after it would rain, there'd be steam about knee foot high, about knee high on all that blacktop. Oh my goodness. And humid, about 200% humidity, <laughs> at, at least. And, uh, if you got a chance to lay down, you sweat and fill your ears up if you're laying on your back. <laughs> Not a pleasant place. Right. So we finally left there. Well, hold, hold then, on. Let's, let's go back. Tell me, tell me about your, your experiences in boot camp with like your drill sergeants. Uh, some of the things that you did back then, uh, that is probably different nowadays, or at least a little bit different. But can you go, can you tell a little bit about that? Oh, back when I was in there, they could knock you to your knees. Okay. <laughs> it never happened to me. Oh, but that's good. Left, but before I left home, my dad told me, he said, when they get in your face and start yelling and screaming, said, act like they're yelling at the guy right behind you. <laughs> so I'd done that and it would drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and how, so how, how many? I didn't, take boot, I didn't take boot camp there. They took us to took Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Yeah. And I swear you could go on a field march. It'd be uphill. And you turn around, come back the same way you came, and it was uphill both ways. <laughs> or so it seemed. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, telling stories. My dad telling stories about going to going to school. It was uphill both ways, barefoot in the snow. <laughs> but that that's how it seemed. But they've all the time trying to get go get to get us to go airborne. Right. Because we're there. Uh, I it was eighty second or hundred first airborne. I remember which one now was the home base there. Right. And I finally told him, I said, as far as I'm concerned, they've been two things that fall out of the sky. And I said, I told him, I said, that's birds shitting fools. <laughs> and they kind of left me alone after that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's kind of scary. <laughs> but that, that, I had no part for, uh, no desire to do that. Right. And then how but, long, how long were you there? 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Okay. And that's that's where you did actual boot camp then. Is that right? Yeah, that's okay. right. That's gotcha. where we did our rifle training and everything. Yeah. Okay. And then now, uh, back then, you guys threw grenades in boot camp? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Five ones. <laughs> yeah. We, they stopped doing that. Uh, well, I guess before I came in, uh, they stopped doing that live ones. But uh, we were throwing them in uh, uh, what they call Marine combat training. But we were throwing live grenades there. Uh, which I'm not even sure if they still do that now, uh, to be honest with you. But, um, but yeah, I know that back then I talked to another get, uh, special guest the other day and he was saying that he was throwing live grenades and they actually had somebody, uh, die. Uh, it was both a uh, drill sergeant and one of the, uh, recruits died because they dropped the grenade. 
Well, we had one in, in my company that dropped a grenade there in the pit, and the, the sergeant picked it up and threw it at the last second. Oh, wow. We had a near miss. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, that's kind of scary. We got Everybody got chewed out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> one, per, one person never got chewed out. The whole bunch got chewed out. <laughs> Not one person got in trouble, but we all got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then you uh, qualified. What rifle were you qualifying with? Uh, M14. M14. The hardest thing for me when I was trained that to hit someone at 25 yards center mass, you had to aim at their feet. Oh, really? Yep. Holy moly. Because the recoil would be so much that it would lift it up that much to hit center mass, you had to aim at your feet. Wow. And that was at 25 <laughs> yards? 25 yards, yes, sir. Wow. Yeah, I've never, I've never shot the M14, so I don't, I don't know what you think oh, about that rifle. one. Good rifle. Yeah. Okay, and then you you spent, uh, what'd you say, it was eight weeks there? Twelve weeks. Twelve weeks. Twelve weeks there, and then you graduated. Okay, at, at that point, where did you end up going? I went for my AIT at Fort Knox, Kentucky. Okay, and what what all happened there? Walk me through that. I, I became a medic. Okay. I was stationed with uh, our Army Hospital Med Company. Okay, and that's where the schooling was? Yeah, I was a 91B20 medical specialist. Very nice. And, of course, medics are very important, uh, especially to uh, anybody deployed, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. got a, a POW MIA bumper deal on my front, front of my truck. And yeah. One ladies I went to, uh, that used to go to our church asked me if I was a, a POW. And I said, no. I said, you never would have seen me anymore if I'd have got captured. Yeah. So so at the uh, at your school, um, and how long was that uh, learning to be a medic? Oh, let's see. I got there. Let's see. I went home on leave for two weeks, and I went back. Oh, man, that was way, that was a hundred years ago. You <laughs> <laughs> think a couple of months or uh, something like that? or No, it was a little longer than that. A little longer. Okay. It's probably, probably about four or five, maybe, something like that. Uh, probably about six. Okay. That's all I remember. I was there quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what were some things that stand out to you uh, while you were going through the medic school? Well, they had me working at uh, Central Examining Station. Mm-hmm. And I was drawing blood. Okay. And these guys would come in there and be a little scrawny guy. You think, well, I draw blood out of him, he's going to bleed out. <laughs> And some big old burly guy you think go bear hunting with switch, you draw blood out of him and he'd fall and hit the floor. Wow. <laughs> you uh, almost guess which one was gonna pass out. Yeah, you get you get pretty pretty good with the guessing at that point. As, oh, as yeah. much of it as you did uh would do, right? And then uh 
what what all, what all types of things did you learn as a medic? Like, so I know you uh, like being able to draw blood, being able to probably give shots, those types of things. But oh, yeah. what, as far as uh, what else, what else did you actually learn while you were uh, there? Oh, we was almost like doctors. Oh, really? Wow. I have set bones, uh, uh, sewed guys up. Yeah. Wow. And you learned all that while you were there, huh? Oh, yeah. Man, when I was in Vietnam, we, we were like doctors. We could do it all. Wow. That's incredible. And and that was six months long. And then once you finished there, uh, at that point, did you go to a unit, like a specific unit at that point? Well, they they sent me home before I went to Vietnam. Okay. I up my orders, and I thought I never was going to get orders, and I finally called them, and I said, I'm waiting on orders. <laughs> and uh, they told me to go to the nearest uh, Army fort, and so I checked in at Fort Knox. Okay. And I was there about a week, and uh, they assigned me to a company, and uh, basically done nothing until they got me some orders. Right. And they sent me back home for a week, and I thought, my God, are you ever going to do anything with me? <laughs> and they finally uh, sent me some orders, and uh, I got on the bus and went to Oklahoma City and got on a plane and flew to San Francisco. From there, I to another plane, and and uh, was on the plane going over there, and, and uh, I was on the right side of the plane right in front of the right wing and the pilots come on there and said if you're on the right side of the plane you can look out there and you can see wake island said so we'll be landing there in like three minutes or so you know like that oh, wow. and I, and I, I see three light bulbs yeah and i thought man they ain't enough dirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah said, this, this is as far as we're going <laughs> And they didn't have a terminal like, you know, the little deal comes out to the plane where you walk down to the little hallway or nothing. You yeah. had to walk down the steps and over to the over across the tarmac over to the building. Right. And it was so humid. <laughs> it felt like you had milk on your hands when you got into the terminal. Oh, my goodness. I mean, humid. And I thought, we fought for this. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they fought hard for that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we flew 17 hours, stopped once for fuel. We left in August. We left the 13th of August, flew 17 hours, uh-huh. and landed on the 15th of August. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. And uh, we took the bus from Thompson Hood Air Force Base up to Long Bend. Which is up Highway One from Saigon, okay. which is Ho Ben City now. <coughs> and uh, I was assigned to an ambulance company with the Fifth Ninth Medical Battalion, Five Sixty First Ambulance Company. Mm-hmm. And I was all over the country with that. I was down in Macomb Delta, Benoit, Long Bend, MACV headquarters. I was everywhere. And what, what specifically were you doing? Was it uh, like an ambulance type of thing? or I was driving an ambulance. Driving an ambulance, okay. What what was some of the experiences you had while you were uh, driving the ambulance around? Well, when I was uh, 
down to Mekong Delta. We had one trip a day from there up to the uh, 93rd Evacuated Hospital in Saigon and back. Okay. And we had to be back by a certain time because that road turned red at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And you couldn't be out on that road because they shot anything moving. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that Man. gives new meaning to uh, timelines right there. Yeah. <laughs> you would not want to be out on that road. That's right. If yeah. The BC wasn't shooting at you, our guys would be. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least you knew the, the cutoff time, so that was that was good. So uh, what needless to say I was never on there past the deadline. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And then what what else uh what other types of things were you doing then? Well, I was helping out in the aid station, you know, okay. like sit call and everything like that, you know, just different things. Right. And then like, we'd haul guys of a morning after sit call up to, to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Some of them stayed and we'd pick guys up and bring them back from the next day. And I got you. And uh, any, the medical supplies, we'd haul them back down when we come back down south. Right. And like that. And I've done the same thing when I was over at Benoit Air Base, uh-huh. <coughs> which is about now maybe 14 miles from Long Bend. Okay. And now, do you have uh, any like good good funny stories or or anything like that for your time while you were there like, that you remember? Well, it wasn't really funny, but they brought a guy in there at Benoit. He was a sergeant of the guard. Uh huh. And they brought him in with a gunshot wound. Oh, man. And uh, he was conscious the whole time. But uh, he thought some of his guards were sleeping on sleeping on guard duty. Yeah. And he was sneaking around the dark trying to catch them. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, this one halted him. He thought, oh, he didn't see me. So he kept slipping around. Well, he halted him again. Yeah. Well, the third time he opened up with him a double-lot buckshot. Woo. And one of them went in his right temple. Oh my gosh. And was bulging over his left ear. <laughs> wow. And he was conscious the whole time. Wow. We was talking to him and he was answering our questions and everything. And that is we wild. got him stabilized and hauled him over to twenty uh, fourth evac over in Long Bend. Yeah. And we was over there the next day and said, Yeah, he's still doing good. <laughs> no kidding. They'd opened him up on the left side and took that the buckshot out. Wow. That's that's and truly I thought, amazing. I told the, the guy was with me on the ambulance, the two-man crew, and I said, I bet he don't challenge his guard no more. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, man. But I've seen guys, just about as many guys uh, hurt doing stupid stuff that I did, you know, from combat. Yeah. What, what types of things do you remember, uh, when you say the stupid stuff, what types of things do you remember them doing? Oh, we picked up one guy. He was a cook. That uh-huh. was his job. He come out of the mess hall, climbed up a 35-foot concrete power pole. Okay. And threw the breaker on a, a transformer. Oh, no. And it shocked him and knocked him off the pole, and he landed on his head and killed him. Oh, my gosh. He had no business up there. Yeah. None. Wow. Just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that happens, you know, there's 
there's uh there's always some crazy ones in the crowd that's going to do do the do the stupid things uh that's for sure <laughs> it's never one ending guy, it went to japan on r&r yeah and uh caught some kind of std uh-oh and they couldn't find a cure for it oh no and he had been over there over a year already and they couldn't stand him anyway. He couldn't leave the country until they found a cure for it. Yeah. And uh, he had a wife and kids here in stateside, and they wouldn't even let him leave country until they found a cure for it. They wouldn't let him go back to Japan or nowhere. Wow. Man. They didn't know what it was. Well, that's. I mean, just stuff, stupid stuff like that. That's definitely something you don't want there. That's for sure. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh. Now, how how long were you uh, total in Vietnam? Uh, ten months and twenty three days. Ten months and twenty three days. Now, out of your experiences there, what what is some uh, some life lessons or uh, things that you think are important to to relay to some of those maybe servicemen and women that are in today? Some of your experiences that would be good lessons for them as they're moving forward in their career. Oh, maybe let me see. Well, if you're going into boot camp, they're yelling and screaming at you. Act like you they're talking to the guy right behind you. <laughs> yeah. That's always good good advice. <laughs> Do what you're told when you're told. Okay. The best of your ability. <clears throat> life lesson, life lesson. Uh, <laughs> what is there anything uh as far as uh while you were in Vietnam that that's something that struck to stuck uh stuck with you uh that might might be uh good for uh the servicemen and women of today watch your back watch your back okay always be conscious of your six watch yeah. your six yeah very good very good well that's awesome hey uh Pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so after your ten months, twenty-three days uh, in Vietnam, what happened then? You came came back uh, stateside. Yeah, we left on the. We left at twelve. We lifted off at twelve. <coughs> twelve thirty in the afternoon on the fourth of July. Uh huh. We landed in Hawaii to refuel. Flew 17 hours coming back and landed at 4.30 in the afternoon on the 4th of July in San Francisco. <laughs> it wasn't very long in the air, it seems like, right? <laughs> well, we flew 17 hours. <laughs> well, that's, that's only about, what, four hours there? Uh, Time-wise, you know, you, somehow, yeah. somehow you lost a little bit there or gained a little bit, I guess. Gained a whole day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then you landed back in San Francisco, and then where'd you go? Uh, home. I UTSed out. Okay, okay. All right. And, and then, so, after getting out, right, and where did you go at that point? Like, what, what, where did life take you? Uh, I had different jobs, bounced around on different jobs there until, well, I worked in the medical field for several years. Yeah. And then give that up and started driving a truck in 71. Okay. And how long did you drive truck? Uh, 
a little over 39 years. Oh, wow. So you've seen a lot of the country then, uh, driving that truck around, huh? Old bunch of it. Yeah. I've been in every state in a truck except, uh, Alaska, Maine, and Hawaii. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely seeing a lot of country then. What, what was your favorite parts, uh, of the country when you were traveling around? I don't know. I guess it depends on what you like. Yeah. I mean, every state's got pretty places in it. True. Yeah, very true. It, like I say, it just depends on what you like. If you like the mountains, uh, then Arizona and New Mexico is not your place. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or West Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, and then, uh, so you drove the truck, th- you said 39 and a half years, is that right? Well, a little over 39. A little over 39, okay. And then, uh, where did you go at that point? Where, Cause you're, you ended up, you're in Oklahoma, right? So where, uh, were you from Oklahoma originally? Cause you, were, I thought Kentucky? No, I was born in Oklahoma, but I was raised in California. Raised in California, okay. And then, uh, so you eventually ended up back in, uh, Oklahoma, but where, were you in California for a while before coming back to Oklahoma? Yeah, I moved back out there in, uh, 09. Okay. And I stayed there till 14. And what, what part of, uh, California? Uh, just south of Fresno, about 30, okay. about 35 miles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then back to Oklahoma. And you've been in Oklahoma since. Yep. Yeah. And then you met somebody while you were in Oklahoma. Somebody yep. that I know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you met my mom. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And y'all got married. And, uh, yep. so that's how I know you, right? Yeah. Yep. 2018. That's right. And that, uh, and I'll be, you're a good fit, good fit for the family. You know, I am. I appreciate you and I'm glad that you're there with her and, uh, and listening to her crazy stories and, and her, her famous witch laugh. I don't know if she does that much for you. But oh yeah. Yeah. While the kids are getting one, get to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I can get her to do a witch laugh on here. Is she close by? Tell her she needs to do a witch laugh for us. She said she don't want to. What? Come here. It's famous. Everybody wants to hear this witch laugh. Come here. here. (laughs) Is she saying no? (laughs) I I should tell you my Mary Sue story. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's hear this. (laughs) Earl said no. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it one time too many. (laughs) Well, everybody else hasn't heard it, so. Yeah, I'm going to laugh. Cover your ears. Okay, cover your ears. Got it. It's been a while to get it worked up. All right. Okay. <laughs> you can't help but laugh after that. <laughs> so for everybody, that's my mom right there. Uh, if you wonder where I get my crazy from, I must get it from her. So, but it's a good kind of crazy mom. It's a good kind of crazy. Thank you. <laughs> not really a witch. <laughs> well, I know all the kids love to hear it. I know I did growing up. It was, 
absolutely hilarious. So that's good stuff. Well, Earl, is there anything that you would want to leave the listeners with before we uh, get off here? Uh, if you're thinking about the military for for a career, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I think I would have to disagree with that on my side now. So I I, I quite enjoyed it. It's, and it's well, a good, good ride. Truth, to tell you the truth, Andrew, if it hadn't been for Vietnam, I would have stayed in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really would have. Yeah, well, that was a rough go uh, during uh, Vietnam. See, I was over there during the Tet Offensive. Oh, were you really? Yeah, I was in Saigon for the big part of it. Wow. So what do you remember of uh, of that time when that went down? Oh, it was rough. Yeah. See, I was working at an aid station in uh, the Newport Docks on the north side of Saigon, right there where the Highway 1 crosses the Saigon River. Yeah. <clears throat> and they was trying to get, trying to take that bridge right there over the docks. Uh-huh. And I was on the docks. Oh my goodness. And we were stuck on that compound for eight days. No kidding. And, uh, they, uh, finally brought in two, uh, two, uh, helicopters. Yeah. And uh, they were held up in a little lumber yard type thing across the river on the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just turned that thing into toothpicks. Oh, really? With rockets. Yeah. And uh, they were trying to come across the bridge. And our Arvin troops had a, a military uh, APC uh-huh. up in the middle of the road. And when they come over the hump of that bridge, they were just cutting them in half. It was a big cow. Wow. And they went over. They went over about four o'clock and picking up bodies and throwing them on the deuce in half and hauling them off. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> now, and uh, at this point, you were. Uh, you said, did they overtake the the area? Or they didn't overtake it. You were able no, to fend them off. Okay. They tried. Yeah. But we had too much firepower against yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's good that they, they did have that firepower there because it could have definitely turned into something really bad at that point. Well, there was, I don't know how many barrels, each five gallon drums of uh, aviation fuel was piled up on that dock and they, they had bullets bouncing off of it. Really? And one good round into that and that whole place was blue. Yeah. Wow. Cause well, that's a miracle. Stacked. It's probably stacked. 20, 25 foot high. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I would definitely say that's a miracle. Wow. Any other, any other things like that that you remember? Yeah, but they, they told us we had a casualty. They had two LST docks. Uh-huh. The river, and we went over there and uh, we went down in one closer to, to the, to the bank. And they didn't have none, so we just hopped over to the other one and went down the below, and they didn't have one. We started up the ramp, and they started shooting at us, and we fell behind a deal just not much bigger than a cross tie. Yeah. And they, they was bouncing splinters on us, and there was a Corian up on that LST with with 20-millimeter cannon. He opened up on that bridge, and there's just two red lines going over that bridge. Wow. I told Paul Flowers, the guys on the ambulance with me, I said, it's time to get out of Dodge. Let's go. (laughs) 
he took off. Yeah. That was the guy over in the mess hall that got hit. Oh, really? <clears throat> but it wasn't serious. Well, that's good. Wow. Well, you definitely had uh, a heck of a experience in Vietnam, that's for sure. Um, being a medic, I'm sure you saw lots of uh, lots of blood, lots of uh, injuries, those types of things. Uh, there's there's guys that deploy and they don't don't really see any of that type of stuff. Uh, um, oh, so, nobody has to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely uh, not the best thing in the world uh, to have to go through that. But I will tell you. Um, on behalf of a grateful nation, I will say thank you. Thank you for what you did and your service while you were over there, uh, taking care of what needed to be happening. So I appreciate you. All right, Earl, anything else that we want to talk about before we, uh, get off here? Not that I can think of. No. Okay. Well. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on here with me and uh, telling me your veteran story. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I'm sure I will see you very shortly here in a, a well, less than uh, less than a month now, or right at about a month now. Uh, you'll be coming out, right? Or no, you're not coming. Mom's coming uh, for your retirement. He's going to say something. Oh, okay. Mom's going to say something. Yeah, I was going to tell you to ask Earl about what happened when he got to Hawaii. What happened when he got to Hawaii? Oh, they was refueling the plane. They didn't even take us up to the terminal. Yeah. They uh, moved us out on tarmac and brought one of those deal like they carried luggage out on, but it had seats on it, and they took it to another building. Uh-huh. And uh, unloaded us in there, and they had two, there were six doors, or three sets of double doors. Uh-huh. And they put us in there like a bunch of convicts and wouldn't let us out. <laughs> He <laughs> just had to sit there. Oh, there wasn't no place to sit down. We had to stand. <laughs> and how long were you there? Oh, probably about thirty minutes till they fueled the plane. <laughs> so you didn't get to see anything in Hawaii then? No. <laughs> well, that's no fun. <laughs> oh man, they did it. Treated us like a bunch of convicts. Yeah. The only thing we would chain together. <laughs> well, a lot of times militaries like that, I guess. <laughs> you look at the the uh, open squad bays and things like that. You know, uh, that could be considered uh, very prison like in in many instances. They treated us better at uh, uh, there in Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Earl. Well, thank you for coming on. I truly, truly appreciate it. Mom, thank you for doing your witch laugh. I'm sure everyone's going to get a good kick out of that. Um, with that, I don't have anything else. Earl, you got anything else? Nothing I can think of. All right. Hey, thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and we'll see you on another podcast. Stay motivated and change your socks. Oh.